0: 18 plus
2: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Deadlines New Hollywood podcast. My name is Dino Ray V Ramos. The Dino Ramos. Ray Ben Ramos. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Anyways, <laughs> um, and I'm Amanda and and for this episode we have Miss Janet Mock.
0: Oh God, gorgeous! What is it? Miss call J- it
3: call her Janet if you nasty. Yes. <laughs> she's
2: not only talented, she's gorgeous. She's she has so many great things to say, and she is a writer, director, and producer on Pose, which just got announced that it will be coming back June 9th. and yes, so season two, season. two too and
3: wait you you, you i just re- i recently started watching it and i love it like every i love everything about moment. it it's so, so rich it reeks like, fabulosity yeah. like it's i love like i'm like who are these people why is this the first time yeah I'm why haven't them? we seen it like,
2: and i'm just so glad that like so good. that you know the people behind this show has bought this culture to life and yes. it's been like th- this culture has been around for like decades If all the way back to Paris is Burning, even before Paris is Burning, just the ballroom culture. Those ball scenes, though. Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh, tens. <laughs> but yeah, Janet Mock, oh God, She she's just been doing her thing. You know, yeah. she was a journalist uh, turned uh, TV writer, turned you know, badass. <laughs> like, yeah.
3: And then and the, the beautiful thing about this, not just her, but with uh, most of the people on the cast is none of them had any experience. Yeah. 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 And, look, and it, look how great like things are turning out for them.
2: Yeah. Again, it's, proving Hollywood that just give people chances should, if they know, work hard and if they have a, a pedigree of just awesome, doing awesome work in their particular field. And then they have, they, ha- they have
3: interesting stories. Like mm-hmm. it's like, she. I think she said that she, they were at contenders and she said, "It's like, you can't, Teach experience exactly you know? yeah, yeah yeah so so yeah I think the show is groundbreaking it took a risk and it's paying off and mm. I think everybody should tune in season two you said it started June nine and they're gonna they're gonna do the they're gonna start with the Madonna yeah
2: it the the the, the first episode this is not spoiling anything because it's, it's been all, yeah. uh, everywhere <laughs> it, it takes place the day Madonna's Vogue comes out so 1990 which I was think.
3: like a high holy day for yeah, yeah. when <laughs> Vogue came out for, yeah for that culture a lot of people
2: thought that Madonna came up with Vogue but you know yeah yes.
3: appropriate yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Madonna's really good at that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shades of Madonna no though actually a little bit but because we
2: don't even want to talk about Kabbalah and stuff like that but you know what
3: we won't get into. We won't that. get into that.
2: this podcast is about Janet. This podcast is <laughs> Janet Mock, who and she also appeared in the in the Family Feud video. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah. She
2: also was at the Glad Awards and she got to introduce Beyonce.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, she uh, Janet is just a queen. So for this episode, we're entering into the conversation uh, w- when Janet's just talking about her experience. But before that, we also talked about how she was born in Hawaii. You know, she's half Hawaiian, half black her, you know, half native Hawaiian, not just like born in Hawaii, like she is legit Hawaiian. Uh, And how she was born, how she was, you know, raised in Dallas and Oakland has like all these different experiences from all over the the globe. I don't want to say the globe, country. There you go. Um, But yeah, so it just kind of adds to her, you know, cultural identity, which is just awesome. Um, Without further ado, here is Miss Janet Monk. Yeah, and so like you—you you contributed magazine, you wrote books, you know—you—you you have become kind of this really good, you know, advocate and outspoken uh, person for the LGBTQIA community. But now you are—you—you um, directed and you write on Pose. Was that even in the, written in the stars for you, like going into Hollywood?
1: God. I think in larger, long-term plans it was. I Mm -hmm. thought I would eventually get there. Mm -hmm. Um, My life changed when I released my, and started writing my first book, Redefining Realness. Mm -hmm. Which I I wrote that while I was an editor at People Magazine. Mm -hmm. So I did Mm -hmm. what you two do. (laughs) Um, And then I told my own story. (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of fun in my early 20s doing that. I did, I did. I had a lot of fun. And I learned a lot. Um, And I always thought that if I were to do, come into Hollywood, it would be to adapt my first book, mm-hmm. oh, okay. um, and so I thought that, and then I didn't know that as I w- as I was on book tour for my second book, that Ryan would read the first book mm-hmm. and then request mm-hmm. a meeting with me, mm-hmm. and so it just kind of sped up my timeline. Okay. Yeah, um, that's kind of what happened there. But I did have dreams. I always wanted to tell stories. Of course, that's why I started. You know, working in journalism. Uh, my my first dream was to be you know, um, a features editor at a mainstream women's magazine. <laughs> that was the trajectory that I was going toward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then telling my own story, telling the truth, really changed the trajectory of my entire career.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. oh yeah, I, I know that features editor, because I studied journalism too, and I was all, I'm going to be a features editor at Details <laughs> Magazine. Yes! <laughs> now, or GQ,
1: what Details is Yeah, Details is no longer there, but yeah, but it was so great. Yeah, I, I was read like, going to be
2: fabulous, because I, I, I also, I, I was a fashion journalist for a while too, so and I taught at a fashion school. It, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's my story. You don't want to hear about me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> who were who like some of the people that you looked up to, like writers, journalists, or activists, even like coming up?
1: Um, coming up, for sure. We had to be a lot of novelists and memoirists. Okay. Um, of course, Toni Morrison was someone that I, that I deeply mm-hmm. connected with, whose work I loved. Maya Angelou, I think, created kind of a blueprint. Um, for me to follow in terms of writing yourself right. into your right. stories, centering yourself, you know, particularly for her as a, you know, just a, imagine, you know, a young black girl growing up in the South um, to feel that you can take up space on the page, right. on bookshelves, was something that I'm sure was an audacious act. Right. And so she provided me great role modeldom in a sense. <laughs> um, Audre Lorde, of course, is, you know, a black lesbian feminist poet, um, who largely wrote and published throughout the '70s and '80s, mm-hmm. um, who passed away of cancer. She was a huge model for me and gave me a lot of encouragement through her work and her writings mm. to to go and start centering myself in that way and telling my own story.
3: Mm. Were you always? Did you always set out to be an activist? And and if not, what kind of? What was the? I guess the inspiration behind it.
1: Um, I never set out to be an activist. I don't even identify as being an activist. I mm. think a lot of people take. Um, the work and writings that I do as activism, which I completely agree with, I think that that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm a writer. That's what I do. I'm a storyteller. Okay. Um, and the fact that I tell the truth and sometimes very harsh truths about very harsh realities and experiences, I think people can take that, that um, stinging kind of reality that I portray in my writings mm-hmm. and my work Um, as activism or as having some kind of um, agenda. The only agenda I choose to present forward is to tell the truth about my communities Mm -hmm. and the people that I come from who never Often have the ability to have the pen, mm-hmm. or to be behind the camera, mm-hmm. or to produce these stories. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, just by showing that they exist and showing our realities, mm-hmm. I think that people then see that as mm-hmm. a mission statement of yeah. of being an activist. Mm-hmm.
3: Was was I mean, like being like from the black community, a lot of us could be very closed minded to things that you know we might not understand, we might not be familiar with. Was, was I there, think that's any community. I wouldn't well, say that well, just that well, just it's black like, folk. Well, not the, it is. You're right. But yeah. I feel, I feel like with the black com- we don't like to talk about a lot of things like there's a lot of things that that, like like mental illness and and all that stuff like we there are a lot of we have there's a lot of stigma that goes along with talking about these things um were you ever were you ever fearful of of that sort of I guess I don't know I I guess backlash or Mm -hmm. or anything like that was that something that you were you in in the back of your mind you're like I don't you know being somebody who's representing uh, a woman in the black community who's also part of the LGBTQ? Mm. like Was there ever that kind
1: of fear? Yeah, I think there was some, maybe not fear, but maybe a little trepidation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I did worry a little bit about reception. Um, Also just kind of, you know, I was 26 years old when I decided to step forward. Mm -hmm. And so I was just, I was maybe four years into my career as a journalist. And I, w- number one, was scared about being able to make a living. Right. You know, at that point, there were no non-discriminatory laws against LGBT people in the in the workplace and housing, and so I didn't know if that I if I would be fired. I didn't know if that mm. this would be a big deal in some kind of way. In that sense, and so for me, that was immediate. I was like survival. Like, right. can I yeah, survive yeah. and be able to support myself if I decide to tell my truth? Right. But then I think the responsibility, and maybe this is where people may see me as an activist or something, the responsibility for me, the burden of needing to tell this truth because I wanted to help present a portrait, a possibility, um, an achievement to other trans girls, other young black girls wanting to make it in media, you know, other young LGBTQ people, Um, was important to me. And so I said, it's worth the sacrifice to present an image. And we have to remember, this is long before Laverne Cox and this is long before Post came out. You know, I think our one representation, at least in mainstream, for trans folk was largely Chaz Bono, I think, at that point. This is like 2011. And so there wasn't many portraits of us and specifically not many of us who are young Mm -hmm. definitely not this hue right here Um, and so for me it just was a it was a fear around that the trepidation was yeah I was scared that my people because I am a black person I am a person of color I wanted people of color to embrace and love me Mm -hmm. and overwhelmingly to be honest it largely was LGBTQ folk of color and um a lot of um, black women and women of color who stepped forward first to support me. Right. The first tweets that came out to support me was Janelle Monet, oh, Solange, yes. Gabrielle Union. That's like a good group. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, in, <laughs> and I was not known, right. yeah. I wasn't known. I was yeah, just yeah. A, a young journalist uh. who told her story. And in that sense, they embraced me very early on. And they're also the same ones who embrace Pose today. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, so
2: Pose, Um, Pose, you know, there's just so many things to talk about, Pose, but, you know, when I first heard it was coming out, of course, it's like all being familiar with Paris is Burning, which is kind of like the touchstone Mm -hmm. of this, the the ball world. And then not just that, but then when it was announced, like, it's the biggest, largest, you know, LGBT, or trans cast in the history of television. um, Of course, everyone was celebrating, but for you... I'm, I'm sure you were celebrating as well, but what were your hopes and fears mm. that would come when, you first, when this project first was announced and like, it was happening? Um, and at what moment, this two-parter, a two-part <laughs> question, and at what moment of the show in the first season did you realize, oh my God, this is something beyond being the first you know, trans-centric show?
1: So I'll answer your first question first. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, no, I love it. It's very thoughtful. Um, I actually, when Ryan requested to meet with me, it was in July of 2017, and I had just finished the um, book tour for my second book. Um, He had read my first book, and so he requested a meeting with me, and I didn't know what it was for, and they just kind of said it was a general, but then at the same time... They also were like, Ryan doesn't do generals. So I was like, okay, so this is for something. I was like, yeah, do yeah. we know what this is for? Are you nervous. Right. Were you
2: nervous? I actually was not yeah. nervous.
1: Yeah. I had deeply engaged with Ryan's work, okay. which is, you know, I, I watched, I was like the core audience of popular. <laughs> I was, you know, I watched Glee. Yeah. I watched Nip Tuck. Yeah. So I had Left engaged popular. with this content. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the... Um, the People versus O.J. Simpson, American yeah, Crime yeah. Story, was just huge. So everyone, he was coming off of yeah, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really nervous. I just was like, what's the purpose? Mm-hmm. And what's the intention of the meeting? And no one would communicate that to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going in blind in that sense. And so when I sat down with him in this nightclub, my Oh, neighbor. in a nightclub. Oh, nice. I thought it was going to be like coffee or at like a Red <laughs> Lobster or no, something. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was a nightclub <laughs> okay. scene. So it was oh, in a it, nightclub. Oh, oh, okay. oh, nice. It was on the set of American Crime Story, oh. The Assassination of Gianni Versace, <gasps> okay, okay, okay. Um, and he was actually directing a scene between um, um, Andrew Cunanan and um, um, Versace, when they meet for the first oh, time, okay, okay. and so it was in between takes, in between setups, and he came over with his coffee, and he's like, let's go in this corner, and we're in the corner, we, start, we talked for about 30 to 40 minutes, mm-hmm. and he was very straightforward, and now I know that that's just how he is, yeah. he's very direct, and he goes, um, I want you to join us on this show that I'm working, it's called working on, it's called Pose. Dude. We've written the first two episodes, mm. but we need a woman's voice in the room. I think you're that woman. Oh and my God. And I said, Ooh. so are you offering me a job? LA? <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> I had never I have, You have to sign some <laughs> tax forms. <What's laughs> like I was like number one, logistically, I was like, I live in New York. He was yeah. like, well then come to LA. I <laughs> said, one. well I've only written books and, you know, journalistic pieces and profiles. And mm. he was like well, you can read a book on screenwriting and learn how to write for the genre. Um, And he was like, you know, you'll be fine. Um, And he was like, so just come to L.A. and do it. It'll be fun. (laughs) Literally was his parting
2: words. (laughs) Bye-bye, I have
1: to go direct now. No, (laughs) and then in two weeks, I moved to New York. I mean, I moved to L.A. um, And in that time, they had assembled the cast and so I had known a lot of the people from the community yeah. who were already assembled. Was It be, was before it was announced. Like, but, yeah, it was yeah, before yeah. it was announced, before you saw their pictures it, oh, yeah, or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I hadn't really seen anything and I, he wouldn't let me read any scripts because mm-hmm. Ryan's very protective of, of the content mm-hmm. and of his shows. Mm-hmm. So my worries, and your first question was about worries. What were yeah. my concerns? My concerns was who are the people behind the camera? Mm. What do they look like? What will the crew look like? Um, who are we hiring on, on, on camera? Um, Are we engaging with any of the icons and legends who are featured in, you know, in Paris is Burning? Um, And he answered all those questions. Uh So... Yes, every consultant on our show is actually almost every living survivor from Paris is Burning, wow, check. God. Number two, I'm going with an all trans cast and LGBT um, actors of color to play wow. the the, um, the yeah, regular the yeah. series regular yeah. roles. Um, three, the actually the um, spark of the idea came not just from my loving of Paris is Burning, but also came from Stephen Canals' script. He's an Afro-Latinx queer person. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the inspiration came from a pilot that he wrote while he was in grad school at UCLA. Um, And then it was like, and you'll be... And he was like, and you're joining the room. And so in that sense, and then also then Our Lady Jay also joined yeah. the room in between her duties at Transparent at mm-hmm. the time. And so I was like, oh, OK, I guess that I think you've you thought this through. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> I was like, you thought these through. Why do I right I time. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, I'm not taking any money from the show every cent that I make uh-huh. as Ryan Murphy, as the showrunner and creator is going straight to LGBTQ organizations oh doing God, work geez. on the ground for youth and LGBT people of color. Oh, God. Wow. And so in that I did not, not of, even know that. I should yeah. know that, but I did not know Hundreds of thousands oh, of dollars. Hundreds of so thousands of dollars straight awesome. to de- to work being done on the ground for folk who are presented on the show. Oh, wow, wow, mm. wow, yeah, yeah. And then your second question was about the idea of when I knew yeah. that this is going to work and that it was more than, as you said, a yeah. transcentric kind of storytelling. Yeah. My first day was... was um, at the House of Abundance. <laughs> which was, which is the opening the opening yes, scene. Yes. And the boys are dancing and you come down from the ball and then you see, you know, the boys dancing and doing choreography and the kids are chit-chatting and Electra says, Children, hush up. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> number one, what was great, they looked phenomenal. Number oh, God, two, yes. it was as if they had been acting in front of a camera their entire lives and so we were just waiting for the moment. And number three was that I had never seen that many LGBT people in one room, Mm -hmm. not only in front of the camera, but behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's magic. I knew it immediately. And I also knew it too because um, Angel, um, played by India Moore, had a sailor cap on with an afro. (laughs) And I was like, there's some kind of magic here that's Mm -hmm. like next quotient. Mm -hmm. Like it was a next level kind of (laughs) aspirational. It was like... You could get that at a thrift store. Anyone can get that and have that hair and be like, I can wear a hat with an afro, and that's a sailor cap. That's just kind of like out of this world. And so there were these little moments where I was like, oh, my God. And then it was like the sparking of like Dominique's cheekbones, Dominique um, Jackson's cheekbones. Yes. Yeah. Like I was just like everything's working, and it's more than just the idea that these trans people are acting and they're on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's when I knew. And then when I really knew it was next level beyond transcentric mm. was a scene where Angel is um talking to Stan yeah, yeah. and they walk into that hotel room and I saw India Moore walk into that room with such confidence leading this cisgender straight white guy through that scene oh god wow. and I was like this is a love story this is a strange love story but it's a love <laughs> but it's story but it's a love and story that, that has never been seen before and that
2: love story was i mean I hope it gets even I mean at the end of the first season, you know, it's still questionable what will happen. <laughs> but you know, that shit's not over yet. You know? but, <laughs> but I think when I when I first saw the ads for it, I was all bitch. I was like, oh <laughs> this is gonna be something. Like all those ads and like they use kind of the Vogue font and everything, but I'm 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 I, I just can't wait for the next season.
3: What I loved about what you said, it was like whenever you came on here, it wasn't about like the resume that you had. And I feel like that's a, what a lot of people have like when they're trying to get into this industry, especially people of color, women, people in the LGBTQ, Is that it's all about like, you know, if you don't have this resume full of like you've done this and you've done that, we're not going to give you a chance. But it's not necessarily about that. It's about your experience and it's about your voice. And I think that's what's great about this show is that Ryan really took took a chance on people who might not have that resume, that that Hollywood resume that most of you know, I guess uh, the the old school people kind of rely on. You know, it's all about like he he loved what your writing was and he saw your voice and and that's really like. I think that's like, like a beautiful story right there, and I think that's gonna help. that's really what you know. Hopefully, mm. more more so, people will take take more. I mean, I guess we're seeing people taking more risk, and it's not all about like risk. But hopefully, like more people will see that, and that could out, that could be uh, an, an, an entrance point for people. Like I said, people that were traditionally marginalized to kind of get get a get a shot at this. I completely agree with you. I think business. Yeah, I think it's <laughs>
1: and I think that when we were talking about a creative business like this, where you're talking about artists. Um, I think that we have to be creative in our strategies in in attracting and recruiting and developing talent, Uh right? Right. So no longer does everyone just come from UCLA, Harvard, and USC, right? And so it's like, if you want a strange and unique and never-before-seen or heard voice and talent, you have to be able to put the resources into that talent, right? And also being able to recruit them. And so Ryan was like, I need a trans woman of color in this room one has never been given a shot in this industry right. before how am i going to find her you look for her yes. and you scout right. and instead you recruit of, exactly. Yeah, exactly. instead, instead of, of trying <laughs> to
2: pick someone and say you're going to be this and painting yeah. their face mm-hmm. exactly. not literally yeah. a yeah. view, you
1: know what i mean no completely and then you realize okay we'll give her a series of books that she can read right <laughs> exactly <laughs> we'll develop saying, her voice and we'll we'll study. Yeah, yeah and we'll we'll teach her through experience Exactly. and it was the same thing when when he um When he approached me with directing, it was like, I'm going to surround her with uh, experienced DP. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to let her shadow another female director. Um, And then I'm going to be there on her biggest days on set to ensure that she feels safe enough to say that this set is yours and that you're going to do this and you have the capability to do this. And now by the end of this year, I'm going to have directed my. eighth hour of television. Wow. And yeah
2: oh, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. It's like, 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 like on-the-job
2: training. which yeah. sounds like you Exactly. Know, well, it was the
1: exact yeah. same way my father taught me how to swim. He threw me in the pool.
3: Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's like no shade to the people that go to school and, like, you know, no, do all, of course that's, like, that's it's great. It's different journeys. But there's, yeah. you know, yeah. people recognize that people, that Everybody's journey is different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make their voices any less qualified. Yeah,
2: exactly. The but then
1: also what you were saying too, it's also systemic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What what does not allow us to get into those rooms, right? I do many college talks. You know, I've done them since my first book came out in 2014. And anytime I go into those rooms, I'm always talking about trans women of color and our issues. And I always say in the room, I say, if you feel safe enough, if you're a trans woman of color in this room, please raise your hand. There's only been... Once, where I've seen more than two who've attended that college raise their hand. Because it talks about the the levels, the barriers that exist to even get to a college degree, to even get into the college, to try to earn a college degree. Mm -hmm. And so you have to realize those layers of all of that stuff that becomes barriers. So it's Mm -hmm. like, not only are you low income, not only are you a person of color, but then on top of that, you're a trans person and a woman. Yeah. Those are many layers there. And so in order to recruit a trans woman of color to write on Pose, right. you have to be cognizant of that. And yeah, then right. cognizant of the fact that you then have to give her the tools that she needs in order to get there. Now, I was a natural. <laughs> a bitch watched a lot of TV and film growing up. And I had written two New York Times bestsellers. Yeah, yeah. But at the same but time, still, it's like yeah. I'm still a non-traditional I'm still a non-traditional t- talent in this particular yeah. industry. Right. I mean, yeah. it's,
2: it's so amazing like what we're talking about. It's like um, there's this... Uh, I, I recently talked to a, a trans actor named Ian Alexander who's on the show The OA. Mm. I was amazed at his story. He was saying that um, Britt Marlin who created the show The OA, they made a casting call out for specifically an Asian teenage trans boy. And like Ian was like, I don't know if there's going to be a lot. He said like, it was an open call. He said like hundreds of people wow. came out. It kind yeah. of disproves that whole fact that you, they're, yeah. they're out there. They are out you there. You have to yeah. look. Like and yeah. you know who yeah. you
1: know who's a genius who casted that? Mm-hmm. Carmen Cuba. Oh, oh yeah, Carmen Cuba's did, yeah. a genius. Yeah, she's like all she's the casted years. she's casted me in stuff before. Mm. I did my acting debut. <laughs> I shot that this year. I can't say what the project <laughs> oh is, my god, but there the is bre- news. there is breaking, breaking news, news on the New <laughs> Hollywood Podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh my
2: uh, god, Jenny Ross is gonna be on Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Yeah, she's in the Wakanda thing now.
1: She's a oh, new queen. Yes, Honda. <laughs> oh, <Wakanda. laughs> okay, that's not real, but uh, maybe. But again, yeah, yeah. another another. There. You know, someone who came out of a. Carmen also her journey you know you all if you haven't had her on the podcast you need okay, to have well, Carmen yeah. Cuba on the, but she cast Stranger Things she cast the OA mm-hmm. um, she's cast so many amazing like, projects yeah. including yeah. Queen and Slim which is oh my god now. Can't, yeah. we can't wait for that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so it's like you know she's yeah. done this stuff but she's all and she also did sensei. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, and so in that sense you know she always has this idea of being very intentional that if something's written on the page and you collaborate with the director we're gonna find that talent mm. because more often than not there's so many Many waiting who've never been called for specifically exactly. for them. Right. Exactly. Like, right. when he told
2: me, like t- they were looking. Like it still kind of <laughs> shocks me. It's like a, a teenage trans <laughs> boy, and they found hundreds. That's, and then like yeah. kind of it's the problem with Hollywood because they mm-hmm. they're not looking. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
3: Other other than Pose, how do you feel like the LGBTQ plus narrative has kind of evolved? Let's say like within the past ten years, and do you feel like like coming out stories are still are still necessary?
1: I think, number one, yeah, I think coming out stories are still necessary. I think that they need to be helmed by LGBT people so that we can actually, you know, feel them differently. I think that that's why Lena Waithe's episode that she won an Emmy for, A Master of None, was so groundbreaking was because it came from her perspective, her unique experience of having to come out over and over and over again right. to your family, right? right? Yeah, yeah. In your own different way. Um, so I think that they're still necessary, but I think that they should be helmed by us. Um, I think too that, you know, what I love so much is the sense of, uh, I love the possibility of us coming in and it not really being only about our coming out right. or our struggle specifically as lgbt pe- people but also just about our you know universality of our own particular issues and dreams and aspirations the things that i love so much about pose is is the ways in which you know these five women compare and contrast with one another they're not a monolith yeah mm-hmm. they don't all have the same voice they don't all have the same dreams they don't think about this, um, the same things when it comes to partnerships and romantic relationships about mm-hmm. their bodies about what they want to do with their bodies all of this stuff and so that's what we need more of and we need more than one of us in a room right mm-hmm. in a scene yeah we yeah. need that because oftentimes we need to be able um to see us in community right. and see us in love and see us in in partnership right. um my first, um depiction of myself that I saw on screen as a young queer trans person was seeing um Ricky Vasquez in My So-Called oh, Life He was on played the by he was, on our, he was Wilson like, Cruz. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. But like seeing that on TV I didn't watch it when it was live but I watched it when it was in reruns yeah. and in syndication on MTV mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like wow it's possible to be someone who's assigned a certain sex at birth and be gender nonconforming and to sit in in the girls restroom and to talk with your best friends yeah. and And to also then on top of that, you know, grapple with homelessness and being kicked out of your house Mm -hmm. and being, you know, of color and all of this stuff, I was like, oh my God. That's me, too. But then right. at the same time, also was me was Felicity. Right. Oh, my God. Like <laughs> <laughs> you are hitting <laughs> all these notes with me. But it's like you <laughs> can you <laughs> I, I found fragments of myself in yeah. yeah. many different portraits, okay. right? Yeah. Different parts of myself. And you have Felicity it's, hair right now, too. Yeah, I do. You <laughs> do. I've <cast> had <laughs> Felicity hair my entire life. Um, I will never do the short, the chop yeah, that, that really. she did in season two. Um, the chop heard around like, the world yeah. exactly. with, with the diving and um, ratings. But, you know, but no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that, you you know, I think about how we come from that youth. Po- the, I think he was the first LGBT youth on television, yes. I, I was think, it on, or teen. ABC, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: On network, I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and we have to remember that, and that was like in the 90s. 95, yeah, 94, 95? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: yeah, yeah. I was like, one, one season, and it was done, and I was Yeah, and then Claire Danes became a movie star. And yeah. um, <laughs> became, you know, Juliet. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um, I will yeah.
2: watch that series over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah. But to see how far
1: yeah. we've come in that time period, that we have more and more depictions, mm-hmm. and then I just hope that not only do we have the depictions, but we have the power behind the screen to, to tell the stories. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that you know,
2: you're you, you mentioned earlier, uh, you're about to go film the second season of Pose. Um, and it was recently announced you were directing an episode of The Politician at PaleyFest.
1: Um, for poli- politician season two because I've already directed oh, season oh, one. Okay,
0: great. <laughs> Look at
2: you
1: <laughs> getting this coin.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what else do you have that you can't tell us? You mentioned something that you can't,
3: <laughs> that you can't tell us. <laughs> that you can't tell us. This is deadline, you know. <laughs> but you
2: know what? <laughs> we can't spread that Avengers Endgame rumor we, if you yeah, want.
3: Yeah, we can. <laughs> Out there I'm making universe. my act
1: I well I'm making Black my Panther 2.
3: <laughs> <laughs> face 2. Uh, what is it? Face 5? It's okay, no, 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 no. whatever there is.
1: <laughs> I'm making my acting debut this year. Okay. okay. So we'll look out for um, that. Is it is it a series or is it a film? I can't tell you. Oh oh my biggest <laughs> <laughs> secret. You can't even like gonna, broad stroke. Gonna, it. Gonna okay, can you are going to be playing Elizabeth
3: Holmes in this. Can you kinda can you broad stroke it? Like just I cannot broad stroke anything. I've already
1: told too much. Okay, okay. okay. (laughs) We don't wanna get Janet in trouble. Oh my god. We don't wanna get a girl cut out.
2: Oh no. Um editing for it. I'm wanna Hope that it's an Elizabeth film. <laughs> I watched that, that that documentary and I was like, oh, I did what? Too. I know
1: it was amazing. But to be
3: honest, like she's kind of amazing. She like the She's, what, scam. I mean, is she's she a scam. true show and the scammer. Yeah, like I was just like, she's there scam, she is. But the fact that she was able to accomplish what she did at such a young age, like
1: she scammed all these old she, white men, which is like kind of amazing. Remember the beginning the oh. beginning
2: of the documentary? The professor that she first approached, she was all, "Girl, this isn't going to work." No, she was all, "You need to go talk to someone else." And she. She's, like, she I, she's like, I'm gonna go
1: to a man who's
2: older, and why? who's gonna be <laughs> enamored by exactly. me. So that's a lot of money.
3: I mean, you and know, people just kept on throwing money at her. Yeah, it's gonna,
2: it's gonna be out of Walgreens. You know, you know, it's
3: not. You know, I feel, I, I feel sorry for the people, but I'm just like, just the fact that she did it. I'm like, you know, you know, props to you. Props for... to you. Know, but yeah, no, definitely don't okay. celebrate that so, behavior. Yeah, maybe, yeah, don't celebrate that behavior.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Look out for Miss Janet Maas playing uh, Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> and then I'm also I'm directing a couple episodes of Pose. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm, of course, you know, writing a bunch of episodes. Um, and on top of that, I'm also working on a couple more projects with Ryan.
3: <gasps> Any more books?
1: Yeah. Books a girl is
2: retired time. from books. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no not retired. She's a taking this about yeah, all. a sabbatical. Um, yeah, 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 taking a
1: hiatus. Yeah, taking a hiatus. If I ever engage again, I think it would have to be... I have an idea for a YA series that yes. I really, really want to do. Yes. Um, but I'm just I- like, how am I going to carve out time to do that? I know, you're Make busy. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're busy playing all these roles that I made up for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, please tell your casting director friends because the girl is ready for a close-up, so let me
3: know. Marvel, if you're listening, <laughs> Black Panther too. So we like to kind of wrap up this interview with, with something that we call the facts. It's just random questions that we like they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so first question is what's the last movie you watched in the movie theater? And um, on top of that, what is your go-to snack or ritual that you yeah, Do you have in? a ritual like or a see or it? whatever. Or do you have like a snack that you that you have to you have to have.
1: I'm usually 6 6 to 10 rows away from the screen, mm-hmm. smack dab in the center. Mm-hmm. If I'm not in the center in that That spot, I don't go. I don't book a ticket. (laughs) Um, I just can't do that to myself. Number one, I don't like when people have to go pee in the middle of the movie. Yeah. It's very frustrating. That's so, why sitting I said in the, the middle, end. I, <laughs> I always have to pee. So, I at the end. <laughs> so you're that annoying person. <laughs> yeah. um, I my, my snacks are always um, buttered popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring my own mochi crunch, oh, which oh is uh, yeah <laughs> from Hawaii. Oh God, <laughs> I bring my own mochi crunch that I put in with my um, furukaki, um that shit's shaker. Good. No, I know. I know. <laughs> so, I do that. And then I usually have some kind of. Chocolate like peanut M and M's is usually okay. those are healthy because it's peanut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely, completely. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm so bad the last film I saw in theaters was Widows on Opening Weekend. That's oh, oh, a good that's movie. That's a to good see. movie though. Yeah, and yeah. I was so 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 disappointed yeah, that you and me, but that Oscar. they marketed that they marketed it as an Oscars film. Yeah. Which like, if you would have just marketed it as a heist film, yeah. it would have been a power. Os- yeah. yeah It, it yeah. would have gotten so much it, more in the box yeah. office yeah. though, too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was like, why isn't everyone why isn't everyone <laughs> talking about this and watching this? I the couldn't more, believe it. The more
2: I watched that film, the better it got. Like
3: It was
1: and
2: I oh was good. just so mad that I was like, why isn't anyone giving this shine? Like, why right? is it?
3: Like, Viola, Brian T. Henry, like, um, loved, loved, loved yeah, and, and, like Henry's even Elizabeth,
2: Becky, like, all those girls. By Tyree. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of them.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: And um, the dog, honey. Yeah. The, the dog. Is the Viola's dog. dog. <laughs> oh <my>
3: gosh,
0: <laughs> the dog. Um, <laughs> the yes.
1: biggest, probably, like, up front, you know, like, someone who stole the stage it's like, what, Toto? Right. Like, it's like, <laughs> honey. So, again, I mean, at
2: PaleyFest, um, Ryan announced that Patty Lupone was gonna. Oh my god, that that was a gag. It's um, <laughs> gonna be on Pose. If you could pick three dream guest stars for Pose, who would be?
1: <sighs> oh my god! So like every dream guest star that I want has been secured for this season. Oh my okay. god! So you
2: can't say. Okay. And they're not they're
1: not even large 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 names. They're just people that I've watched for many years and wanted to like write something for them and oh. they're. Two out of the three already secured, so I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. Um, You could just name one. I would love... Who would I love? I have mine. No, what are yours? What are yours? I just have one. I'm like, give me ideas. (laughs) Who? I have have Grace Jones as mine. That would be a dream. Grace Jones is all of ours. Yeah. I mean, Grace Jones... All of ours. I'm
2: just like, I want to see her go on there.
0: You know, I have my pitch. I have my (laughs) pitch.
1: I want her... This is my pitch for it. I want her to play Electra's mother.
2: Oh over. It's done. You're... I want her to play
1: Electra's mother and I want Electra to fall down again. And then I want her to have to go home and her mother just be the most evil, rotten Like a misery kind just, of. Just 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 horrible toward her so that you know exactly what her origin story Yes, no, And
3: I think <laughs> it would be
2: so great if it would just be Grace Jones but not so Grace Jones. No, like, of not, course yeah, like, she's yeah. very like in you know, a frock. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> no, no. And just like you can't recognize her. <laughs> I would live for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Grace Jones. Grace Jones. Make it that's Put it. Yeah. Out there. That's, yeah, yeah. So, we're not doing Beyonce.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce. First, we said Dreamcast. Well, but. yeah. Dream,
2: I mean, it's like uh, in, the, in this next season, you're going into the 90s, mm-hmm. which is
3: uh, on the same
2: exact day. When he said the same exact day, Vogue, Madonna's Vogue came out, I'm just curious in what the cast or like the characters are going to think of that because. A lot of people are all. Oh, she appropriated this culture. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, she did
2: it with uh, with um, also with um, the Kabbalah and stuff like that. But you know, that's another <laughs> but Beyonce. I think in later down the road, maybe I like like Destiny's Child.
1: When we flash forward a decade yeah. <laughs> for <before> season three.
3: <laughs> um, um, so if you could write or direct um a film or series about anybody or anything, what would it be?
1: Well, I'm working on the adaptation of my first book already. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing that right now. Um, I think I would love to explore... Oh, there's this woman named Sir Lady Java. Oh. Okay. She was uh, basically like a cabaret performer in black clubs mm-hmm. in the 1960s and 70s. And she protested at Red Foxes Club here in L.A. in order to be to be able to perform because they shut down the club because of um, because of cross-dressing uh, regulations that were on the books. Okay. And so it's this great civil rights story told in the '60s. Um, and so that's a story that I'm interested in in, in helming, in, in telling, and writing, be and directing. Cool,
2: yeah. I want it, yeah, that sounds cool. And it's like yeah. these untold stories. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say, I've never heard of I love this the idea before. of like
1: quiet heroes right. who are also coming up at the same because this is also pre Stonewall, mm-hmm. oh, um, which yeah. was in 1969. Ooh. And so it's pre Stonewall, um, it's also post kind of um, post-civil rights movement of the early 60s. And so it's kind of like when black people gained more prominence and power and voice, who of us were left kind of behind, but we're still inspired Mm -hmm. by that pushback, by that resilience and that resistance. And so I kind of want to tell a story like that. And then it's also like performing and great costumes, very Josephine Baker looks, it's like, (laughs) I want all of that.
2: So our final question we ask this to all of our guests: um, Is there an underrepresented voice in the industry, whether it's an actor, producer, writer, mm. anyone who you would want who's not in the mainstream that you want to kind of give shine to?
1: Not in the mainstream. I've been obsessed. And he's coming into the mainstream because he's on The Daily Show. Mm. But Jabuki Young-White. Yes. <laughs> anytime I see my short king doing anything, mm. um, I just am so enamored by his, his rawness and freshness of voice and talent, his unapologetic nature, the ways in which he talks about being a young queer person of color, um, I, I just, I love his voice. I love mm-hmm. and champion his voice. I would love to collaborate with him go. on a project. You hear um, that, Jaboukie? <laughs> yes, I'm like, is. yeah, but I'm, I, I I love, I just love, love, and love his voice. And there's something so cheeky
2: about him. Like, he, mm-hmm. he knows something mm-hmm. that every time he's talking on The Daily Show, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, he's up to something. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you
1: know, one of my my dream girls and muses is is India Moore, who plays oh, God, um, Angel love, on Pose. Love. I put a lot of yeah. myself in to the angel character. I walked those same streets and boots that she's worn as a teenager. Um, and India just has a power, of course, a magnetism and a beauty and a confidence. But she also uses her voice. Um, Mm -hmm. to advocate for the communities that she represents, and she's unapologetic about that. She won't let anyone just use her as a token or as a pretty face. She said, no, honey, I have a voice, and I'm using that as well, and so that's deeply inspiring, and we need even more of that. Mm. Amen. Yes. Well, thank you so much. I could
3: listen to you talk all freaking day. Like, seriously. I would want the whole
1: Pose cast in here for an episode. (laughs) (laughs) You need to do it. Talk about New Hollywood. You need to go to to the set of Pose. You need to fly there. Do it during their lunch break. Oh and talk god. to them in someone's trailer. Yeah. Why can't you do that? Go report live. Oh my god, I want to. Well, we we'll we we'll pitch to. that. Yeah, seriously. Do it. Sit so yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Sit so yeah. down. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Again, much, Janet. This is great. Thank, Thank you, you so good. much yeah. for having me. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?